Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all this morning. The Lord richly bless you. Mother's Day. Will you turn with me, please, to John's Gospel? John's Gospel, please, chapter 19. I want to speak on the subject this morning of a mother's love. A mother's love. John's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning to read at verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Keep your Bibles open. We'll read and refer to that in a little while. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we're washed and covered and cleansed in the blood. I thank you we're clothed in his righteousness. So we thank the Lord for his doing and his dying and his accomplishment. We thank you, Father, that as we come to you, we're not coming to one who is still on a cross, nor lying in a tomb, but we come to one who is risen, ascended and glorified and at the right hand of God, we come to an open heaven this morning to thank you and praise you through your Son, the Lord Jesus, one with you in the Spirit. And Father, we ask you now that you would Lord, speak to all of our hearts, encourage your people as our faces differ so of our needs and many of us have left homes behind with different difficulties and maybe even problems and circumstances. For those who watch, Lord, and maybe can't be here this morning physically, but watching from even from as far as from the east to the west, from the United States to New Zealand and Australia this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would give them their portion. And, O oh God, that your hand would be upon each and every one. We'll love you because you first loved us. And now we pray that thy spirit would move from seat to seat and heart to heart in this place this morning and meet us, Lord, where you deem it fit to meet us and do what you deem it fit to do. For thou alone art God and you are sovereign over all things. We ask it, giving you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. A mother's love. You know, the word mother, and the English word mother, is in the Bible, the King James Bible, 292 times. I'm sure many of us didn't realize that many times that the word mother was used, especially in the world where we're having genders and identities being changed, where mothers being taken away and fathers are being taken away, and it's persons and he's and them's and all of those sort of things. And the Lord looks uh, from creation at, at uh, Adam, man, woman, Eve, and right down the line then we have a mother, Eve. And this morning we want to look at another mother, the mother of the second or the last Adam, that is his mother, Mary. And I want to just bring a simple message this morning. But I want to look because also when we talk about Mary and evangelicalism and mainly in cultural Protestantism, they're afraid to talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, because of the almost deification of Mary by the Roman Catholic Church. And it shouldn't be so, and it shouldn't be like that whatsoever. She was a blessed woman. She was a chosen woman. She was a vessel of God. She was all of those. Now, she wasn't to be glorified, deified, worshipped, nor prayed to. And we'll maybe look at some of that this morning. But we want to look at this woman's love for her son. And sometimes we miss this. Because sometimes in evangelical circles, we're afraid in case we give room uh, to the error and false doctrine of Rome. 
but rather it's scriptural that Jesus loved his mother. He cared for her. And hence you and I should respect her. And especially in cultural Protestantism, they can almost, as it were, defame her because, again, they think they're standing for some sort of a truth. And it's not the truth of things at all. And hence in our reading in John 19, his mother is at the cross. His mother is watching him being crucified. And that's the love of a mother. When all others had forsaken him, there she was. And that's the love of a mother. Being a mother is a unique calling. A mother is a special person with a special mission in life to raise and to rear children. It's one thing being a father. You can be a father and, you know, you can, in the sense where biologically you can do that act and produce a child and a father can go and leave. But when, so, when a mother is a mother giving birth, that is, she carries and starts a relationship before the father even. But I'm conscious this morning to know that a mother's bond not only starts at conception, maybe even a little later with a flutter and a change in their body, and a relationship has begun between mother and child. A relationship that never dies but just gets stronger, being a mother. A relationship that goes on, a love that knows no end and has no boundaries, and a love that gives and serves and sacrifices and cares and uh, that carries the burdens and the thoughts for the one whom they call their, their child. I'm also conscious this morning of women who have never borne children, maybe couldn't bear children, and I'm conscious about this this morning. And many of those mothers also have a motherly instinct to still love Maybe sometimes it's nieces and nephews or others who they have this instinct to love just babies, children. And generally, you know, when a baby is born, the man will go, isn't it? She's beautiful, isn't he lovely? You know, he's a handsome little boy or something, you know. And, and they feel and they, they sense that. But if, a, if a, a woman goes to visit someone who's had a newborn baby, it's all the, the goo-goo-gaga and the cooing over it and the... They get, you know, that feeling, the broodiness of it. Something, something inherently built in a woman, and sometimes there is that ache and void when they cannot have the children that they wish to have. They give their love to children who aren't their own. There are mothers who adopt. Mothers who go into families of, that have already, maybe the, the man who they have moved in relationship with has had uh, previous children, whatever has happened in, his, in their past. And, and, and there they, they, they have to learn a relationship from that very point. And it's difficult for them. Between them and the children, it can be hard to work out. And, and so they have to find that extra depth of love to try and... and, and love these children as their own. But nevertheless, uh, there's something about a, a woman, a woman, a biological woman who's been birthed from her mother. I understand there are families and some people haven't had mothers the way they should have had their mothers on a rare occasion. haven't been a good mother, maybe. Understand that lives are different and people are different and families are different. But we're talking in, in the general aspect of things about mothers. And there's those mothers who have lost their child. And their child could be from the womb till they're big growing up adults and they've had an accident or they have taken an illness and it leaves that aching void in your heart this morning. And we have mothers like that in here. Our, our hearts really do do go out to you this morning. We we feel for you. We don't. I won't insult you to say we know the depths of your pain, but we feel for you. We really do. So women have this inherent thing that God has placed in them. That, and I'm not saying men that you can't love your children. I have two girls, and they're my world. They're my heart. They're everything. And you know, Daddy's the he's the strength of the family. He's the man of the family, but to be honest, 
when things, no matter how much they sat in daddy's knee and wanted to hug and kiss daddy and play games with daddy, see when they eventually something happened or they weren't feeling well, daddy wasn't there. He, they, he didn't count. They wanted mommy. They wanted their mommy. Mothers are special, whether you're a mother of a, a, a have birthed your children or whether you have a mother, you're a mother who has adopted a child or even fostered. It's a special, there's something special in you. And that love is even reflected at times in your ability to love the Lord Jesus Christ. For the new birth of you brings a new relationship in Christ. And I feel that men have to work harder as it were, in the sense where they have to stay, as it were, connected more, where women can receive the love of Christ easier for some reason than men. I find it a lot of people I talk to are like that, especially between men and women. Mothers love at all times and through all storms and all circumstances and even love past all others. Once a mother, always a mother. The sin is that mothers hold their children's hands for a short while, but they hold their hearts forever. They hold their hearts forever. Whether it's made a decision to have a child or moving into that place of motherhood, whatever's been the circumstances, it's momentous. And this is what I've written about this. To have a child, and I understand as a father, so man, I'm not discounting you, but I'm speaking to the mothers today. To have a child as a father, as I said, my children have my heart. Speaking as a mother, to have a child is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. I want to say it again, uh, to, to decide to have a child, is, it is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. Because there's your heart. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, that's your heart. And your heart walks around outside your body forever when your heart is upon them. And we sense that, that, that the likeness of our Father who placed his love on us as it were, his heart walks around with us because of his great love for us. There's an old saying that there's only one pretty child in the world and every mother has it. Remember when I was a wee boy and I was in the BB, in the juniors. I knew you had your BB display and had you marching up and down the hall and around it and so on. I remember... Marching around it. And you know, sometimes you're nearly kicking the heels of the one beside you. You're out of step and whatever. But you know, I knew that my mommy loved me. And I loved her dearly. If your mommy's here this morning, still with you, no matter whether you're older and she's really old or not, you love your mom with all your heart. Cherish her. I wish mine was here. I would, I would love to go and sit and have my dinner with her this afternoon. Love to phone her, I'd love to call her, I'd love to hear her voice, I'd love to speak to her, but she's gone 27 years, coming next month. But you know, I knew my mum loved me, and it was like, even though there might be a hundred boys on display marching, even if I was out of step, my mum would have thought, isn't our Kenneth wonderful? <laughs> Look at him marching there. Everybody's out of step but him. <laughs> See, that's the mother. Everybody's out of step but him. A mother's love is something that no one can explain, and it's a made of deep devotion, of sacrifice and pain. I want to read this. I, I, I had written this oh, 15 years ago, I think, and I, I preached it when I was in Dublin, maybe, or something like that. I don't know where I've written it, but I've pulled it out here, and I'm going to... I'm going to read this. I don't even know whether I wrote it or an author wrote it. I can't remember. But I'm going to read it to you anyway. 
A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It's made of deep devotion, of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it nor take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns and it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining. It defies all explanation and it still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation. A many-splendored miracle man cannot understand and another wondrous evidence of God's tender giving hand so when we read John 19 we see that love of Mary his mother for her son when I looked at this if you look again at John 19 it says in verse 26 when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own house. And here, John is saying that even though Jesus loved his mother, He can still call himself the disciple whom Jesus loved because the love of Christ goes beyond just one or two. He was able to love and care for his mother while he hung and bled and died in Calvary. He was able to look at her and see her agony as she watched her eldest son, her firstborn son. You might say, you know, hold on, did she not only have one son? No, she didn't. We're going to look at it in a moment. But she followed him. And Luke chapter 2, when the angel pronounced that she would be conceived of the Holy Ghost, it, it says Mary pondered and hid these things within her heart, carried all of this. And yet at one point, uh, uh, we're told that Mary nearly thought that he was going mad. She, she started to doubt, but she, nevertheless, she was there at times when she didn't understand what her son was even doing or saying. She had no idea at times what was happening. And she was there all along the way. Right through his ministry, she's there. She keeps popping up here and there. And now at the cross, when Jesus is dying, She's there. Notice here it says in verse 28, after this, knowing, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith I thirst. Notice that all things were now accomplished. And the thing about this is, with all things being accomplished, yes, the sin was paid, the debt of our sin was paid in full, that Jesus had brought us into a place of reconciliation who would be in him with the Father. We understand all of that. But when I'm reading this and I'm writing this, I was sitting yesterday again pondering over it and I had to go out for a walk and talk to the Lord about it. Could it just be that even just as he says, a woman behold thy son and son behold thy mother uh, to, to his mother Mary and John and John to Mary, that this needed to be accomplished also. She had other sons and daughters and would they look after her? But yet we don't read till later that some of them come to the faith. Was was this needing accomplished that he knew his mother would be cared for? He knew his, his mother would be looked after. And now all things are accomplished. He's paid the debt. He's... He, he has brought in uh, reconciliation and peace with God, as Pastor Glenn said around the table this morning. He's done all of this. Will you look after my mother? Will you care for my mother? What, 
what an example for every son and daughter. And if you're, it doesn't matter whether you're 9 or 90 and your mum's still here, care for her because it's Christ-like. My mother's impossible. Look, I understand things are impossible. I know things will be hard, but care for her. A young person to care for your mother. And, you know, I remember Pastor Michael Bunting years ago preaching before Jody and Ellie were born. And he said, children, he says, when they're young, they walk, they tramp on your toes. You know, you're... Do you ever get your kids and they're on their, you're holding their hands and you're doing, they tromp on your toes, around your feet. He says, but when they're older, they tromp on your heart. And in a sense, your heart is around outside your body and, and things can feel that my children are tromping on my heart. And listen, they're just growing up, many of them. It's not that some of them are, are, are going so wayward and bad, and maybe some are, but they tromp on your heart. Look after and care for your mother. Will you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, please? Exodus chapter 20. This is chapter of Ten Commandments, the moral commandments of God. Will you let your eye run down, please, to verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Notice, honor thy father and thy mother. This is a, this is a word in, in the Old Testament and should be still a word of patriarchy. Where husbands are husbands and daddies are daddies and, and they're biblical and they're strong. They're priests of their own home and leading. That men should be godly men and good men. Bringing up their children in the ways of the Lord and, uh, and loving their wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Such a tall order, but yet the Lord does not leave out Mothers. And yet, a lot of the times in Scripture, you know, even in the New Testament, when Jesus feeds the multitude, there were 5,000 men besides women and children. It doesn't tell us, it tells us how many men there are, but the women, well, we're not sure. Children, we still don't know, but see, it's, it's focused on, on the male. Again, the gender, the male. But in here, the mother, the mother is accounted for, for honor. Honor thy father and thy mother. And look what it says in John 19. It says that Jesus, when he knew that all these things were now accomplished, then he took of the the agonies of, 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 of now moving into the realms of, of death. He looked after his mother even when he was in that agonies, even when he faced going through that veil, even though separation from his father, which he had never known before, was coming upon him. And still he looked to look after his mother and the commandment of God he fulfills on the cross. In his agonies, in his pain, through his suffering and his passion, he honors his mother. He cares for his mother. He loves his mother. It says here, honor thy father and thy mother. And the word honor here is the word kavad. You know what it means? It gives the idea of something which has weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, weight, to be weighty. It gives the idea of, of, of something that is to, to be highly estimated and valued and praised. To put a valuation on what that means. 
to put a valuation on, you go for a, a, go to see a new car, brother, maybe it's even a second hand one. You do look up and you sort of get an idea. What is the valuation of this car? What is it valued at? What's my car if I'm trading in? What's it valued at? And it's estimated to be at such a, such a price and cost and so forth. And that, that is the word here for honor. What is the price of your mother Jesus to you? He says, well, it says to honor your father and mother. Jesus, given these commandments, don't forget, is the one hanging on the cross here. And if you still have your mum, if you still have your mother, value her. Honor her. What's your estimation of her? I know, I understand, some relationships are not that good. But she's still your mother. As I said, I always, I adored my mum, adored her. But how much more value and estimation I have of her now after not seeing her, not having her, is far beyond rubies. There's no price that I could put upon it. And so if your mother is alive, honor her. Look at the value of her. Esteem the riches that she is for your life. And love her. In fact, in Ephesians 6 and 2, the Apostle Paul reminds us again of this commandment honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Turn with me again, if you will, to John's Gospel 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Notice here what the Lord says. And let your eye run down, if you will. Verse 26. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, Behold thy son. Woman, behold thy son. Notice this. It doesn't say mother. He says woman. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. So Jesus honored his mother in the care and looking after. But we have to ask, why did he say woman and not mother? I don't know many commentaries I read and looked up to try and find us out. And I had done it before, and I just I thought maybe there'll be something fresh comes out. Read some of the older. I usually read a lot of older commentaries rather than a lot of the new stuff because a lot of the new stuff isn't worth much stuff. But I couldn't really see too much except for Adam Clark. He was born in the late 1700s and he was a, a, a Methodist minister. His church is up there in Port Rush. Um, when you come round, you go right round the circuit of Port Rush, you're coming down with a road goes into a V and you'd go on to towards where Barry's used to be, or I can't remember the name of it now. This church right in the middle, that was Adam Clark, and he, he wrote a commentary, and it's a world famous commentary. He had another church in Port Stewart as well, but. I looked him up and I, I, I thought of this and I thought I'll jot this down. Listen to what he says. Jesus did not call her mother from the cross because of the sound of that name in those circumstances would only add to her agony. Mother. Can you imagine? Mother. That's my child. It's my son, mother. So he says, woman, 
You can see how Jesus believes in genders, don't you? So why did he call it? We don't know. But this is what I thought myself for what it's worth. Was it because the relationship status between them was about to change? The relationship status between Jesus and Mary was about to change. He was her son, but now he is her sin bearer. And he will be her Lord and her God, her Savior. And hence, when we, when we think of this, and uh, the Roman Catholic Church teaches um, of what is known as the, the Immaculate Conception, people get that mixed up with the virgin birth. Of course he was virgin born and of the Holy Ghost. Of course he was. God was his father. Mary was the blessed vessel and vehicle which would give birth to him and be with him right to the cross. But the Immaculate Conception is this teaching has come in that Mary Mary was born. God did an extra special miracle of grace in Mary. And Mary was born without original sin. That's what the Immaculate Conception is in a nutshell. That Mary was born without sin like Jesus was born without sin. That's what they teach. And hence they they deify Mary almost. They, they make her a mediator between you and or the Roman Catholic people and Jesus. But 1 Timothy 2 and 5 tells us that even all the so-called saints that are canonized by the popes, so-called. I'm going to look at saints tonight if you come out. But all of these, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, 1 Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one mediator, Not many, but one mediator. Not Mary, but one. Not the saints, but one. One mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. And so with the immaculate conception, that is that Mary was born without the original sin of Adam like you were and that I was, that God done this wonderful special miracle of grace in her and she was perfected and perfect just like Jesus. And hence, they would say we can we can worship and we can pray to Mary. They say that Mary is a co-mediatrix, in other words, like a mediator like Jesus, and the reasoning being that at the cross it says, well, co means with, and was she not with Jesus? Of course she was with Jesus, but that's got nothing to do with her being a co-mediatrix, co-mediator. John was with Jesus, and he's not a co-mediator. The other two Marys were there and they're not co-mediators, but she was his mother and her heart was pierced through, as it were, with a sword. She was in agonies, sore of heart of, of seeing her child, her son die. We need to get the balance of, of who Mary was. So, because, as I said, many, especially cultural Protestants, are nearly hating Mary because, well, it's against Roman Catholicism. And it's not. It's against Mary. It's against our Lord's mother, whom he loved. Will you turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, please? I believe it's because this relationship between them was about to change. Let your eye run down to verse 46. Mary is meeting Elizabeth, and you know we know that they're they're talking about their they are two expecting mothers and so on. And Elizabeth's about six months ahead of Mary and are being expectant. Verse forty six, and Mary said, "This is the Lord's mother and I expecting the child." Uh, Elizabeth is expecting John the Baptist as we come to know him, and Mary said, "My soul." This is known as Mary's Magnificat. Notice Mary says, my soul hath rejoiced, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced. And what is it? God my, what's the word? 
Will you shut it out? That's the scriptures. Mary is saying, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Verse 48, for he hath regarded, notice, the lowest state of his handmaiden. In other words, she's just a young woman. She's a young woman, and she, she has been chosen by God to be the vehicle of the Son of God. And she is a sinner, and he is her Savior. So we can't have an immaculate conception or any sort of immaculate heart of Mary without sin. For God is her Savior, according to Mary and the Scriptures. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And hence she is a blessed woman. She's blessed because she bore the Savior. And that's, I think, when he says woman, it is because he doesn't call her mother, for there's a, that, that empathy and that pathos, you know, and there's some women, you I don't know what it is, but women like to watch movies that make them cry. What is it with that? I don't, under, I don't get that. You want to watch that wee film? Oh, I was crying my eyes out. <laughs> or if, if a woman is upset and you'd be uh, sometimes empathetic with her, you know, so, oh, don't you going to make me worse? You know, you'll make me cry. And can you imagine then with this woman watching, Mary watching her son, can you imagine if he had been hanging in agonies as he was, and speaking down to her? Uh, 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 people think it was way up here. I believe his feet were probably about this off the ground. He wasn't that high up. Can you imagine if he had said, Mother? Can you imagine if you... It's like someone going, Mommy! Mommy! Oh, it's my son. It's the, it's the bond and the relationship here. You know the difference of when your child is crying just for, because they're crying or because they didn't get what they wanted. But you know what it's like when your child cries because they're frightened or they're hurt. There's a difference, isn't there? And it's, it's like the mother especially can feel it. I believe that their relationship was about to change here. It makes me think that because if you remember in John at the resurrection, John chapter 20, and Mary Magdalene runs to the grave or the tomb because, uh, and then rolled away the stone, the tomb is empty and she's weeping at the grave and uh, she thinks she's here, sees the gardener and it ends up it's the Lord Jesus and, and she goes to lay hold on him. She goes to grab him. And what was his words? Mary, touch me not. Relationship has changed, Mary. Oh yes, I love you. And you're saved, Mary. And you're blood-washed, Mary. This is Mary Magdalene. Oh yeah, no devils are in you, Mary. Of course, and all of that. But touch me not. A change in relationship because he's the king. He's the saviour. believe maybe this is the reason why he changes his language to his mother and in Luke chapter 2 and verse 35 remember at his uh, at his dedication in the temple remember him coming in with his mother and Joseph and Simeon is there and if you let your eye run down to verse 34 it says and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother Notice, behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be, shall be spoken against. This little baby of yours. And it's not you, Mary. It's him. When the wise men came, the Magi came, it says, when they saw the mother and her child, they fell down and worshipped him. 
Not them or her. Him. And here Simeon says, this child, notice, but then he turns to Mary. This little one, he's the one for the falling and rising of many in Israel. He's the one who brings salvation and redemption to us. He's the one. But then he turns to Mary. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Surely here, Mary's magnifying soul of the Magnificat, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Her magnifying soul in her Magnificat is now a pierced soul. In other words, deep within her she feels it's still her son. He's still her child. And I know, I I was speaking to one mother, the two mothers this morning, but one especially at the loss of one of their children, and they were 21. And I know there's another uh, one or two who have went through similar things at a different age, but they were adults. And it doesn't matter whether uh, they're, they're the toddlers who are tromping on your feet or the teenagers or the 20s who are, uh, are, are tromp, tromping on your heart. It doesn't matter. See, your heart's left your body. And that's where they are is where your heart is. It doesn't matter how old they are. They're still your children. My girls obviously now driving their cars and I mean, well, the Jody's Jody went out with friends last night. She was home for half eight or nine. She, she might as well not have went out. She doesn't. Just went to visit them and sit in their house for a while. She was home and in bed for nine o'clock. Twenty-one years of age. The younger one's a different story now. She goes out driving and I'm sitting at one in the morning, wishing she'd hurry up and come home. Where are you? And she's an adult. I'm going, where are you? Your heart's out there. Fathers too, your heart's out there. Mary's heart was out there because she had followed him right through this, pondered these things in her heart. Now the sword has pierced the soul, as it were. It's went right through to her. It's cut her quick. And of all the people that are looking at the cross now, looking at it, this is excluding Christ on the cross. But all of those who looked upon the cross, it is probably safe to say that none suffered as much as Mary, his mother, watching him. She was his mother. All the disciples had left him, bar John. As far as we know anyway, as far as we read. But his mother was there. His mother was there. Mary is not the mother of God. God does not have a mother. But he who she bore was God in flesh. He gave birth to the man, Christ Jesus. I'm running this up to a close. Thank you for your attention. And as I said, Mary had other children. Many people don't know that. In our last church, uh, there's a woman. She's still there, as far as I know. And she was a Roman Catholic from Germany, um, Christina. And she used to play in the, the big chapel over there, with the big, one of these big organs. And She came over to England, then to the south of Ireland. But someone handed her a Bible. She started to read it. Will you turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, please? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. And she started reading these scriptures as well as a few others. Let your eye run down. Matthew 12 and verse 46. While he had talked to the people, behold, his mother... And his brethren stood without desiring to speak 
with him. Then one said unto him, Behold thy mother and thy brethren, stand without desiring to speak to thee. Then Jesus, notice this, he points spiritually speaking. But he answered and said unto them, unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? He stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. So I'd say Jesus is using the likeness of flesh and blood brothers and sisters. But you, he says, are my brothers and sisters, speaking in the Spirit. So Mary had other children. And you might say, well, that's a bit... That's a bit loose. Okay, listen. Go with me to chapter 13, please. Just the next chapter. Down to verse 55 for time's sake. Notice what they say. Is not this the carpenter's son? Of course, Joseph is his, his adopted, if you want, his supposed to be father. Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren? They're talking about the flesh here. Children of the flesh. And his brethren... James and Joses and Simon and Judas. That Judas, by the way, is Jude, where we get the letter of Jude. I'm on it tonight, and we'll look at it later tonight. And his sisters. Are you reading this? These are his brothers and his sisters. So there's at least two sisters, because it's plural. Obviously, one would be singular, two. Or it could be three sisters. We don't know. Four sisters, we don't know. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man these things? So here we have four brethren and at least two sisters. And just to uh, to seal this, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, please. I'm just sticking to Matthew for time's sake. It'd be worth a Bible study some other time. Matthew chapter 1, please. Just let your eye run down to verse... 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Now notice this. And knew her not. In other words, if it had a stop there, if the, the verse had a stop there, then we would have had maybe a bit more trouble to say, well, are they spiritual brethren? Some say that it means they were first cousins, but it says brethren and sisters. They try to put it that it's spiritual, but really even now the new covenant, they're still in the old until the cross. The new covenant hasn't been ratified even at this point. Now let's read verse 25. And Joseph knew her not. In other words, he did not lie with her had no sexual relations with her. What's the word after it? What's the little three-lettered word after it? Knew her not. Shut it out. Till. He didn't know her until. She had brought forth her firstborn son. In other words, she was a virgin. Jesus was birth of the Holy Ghost. God was his father. Joseph was his supposed or his adopted, if you want, father. And hence, he knew not Mary till she gave birth to Jesus first. She called his name Jesus. Can you see that? Some say, well, these were Joseph's children from another relationship but there's nothing to prove that there's no scripture to show that or tell that and if we want to stay in the scripture then we have to look it says his brethren and his sisters so then he has half brothers and half sisters Uh, James that is mentioned there is believed to become uh, known as James the Last becomes if you want a bishop in Jerusalem church but they don't they don't believe in Jesus until later. But the mummy, the Mary, pondered all these things in her heart. 
She knew how that she had a visitation by the angel. She heard the words. She magnified the Lord when she went to see Elizabeth to tell of the news. She followed him throughout ministry. And now she's standing at the cross. And do you know what happens next when he dies, when mommy goes home? No. She's found in the place of prayer. She's found meeting with the church. She's found... In Acts chapter 1, which leads into Acts chapter 2, at the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and Mary's filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. His own mother. He baptizes his own mommy in the Spirit. Mothers have a special mission because you're a special people. God bless you this morning. God inscribe his word in all your hearts. May you have a good day. Go and get your lunch and your whatever you're doing this morning. This afternoon now, sorry. Have a good day. Get your tea or whatever you're doing. We had an Indian last night because we knew Sunday's a busy day. So we had a, an Indian last night with the outlaws. I mean the in-laws. <laughs> We brought them round and we got something to eat and we sat for a couple of hours just talking about things. And I trust you, you'll do the same. My mommy was here, I'd be doing the same. And then I'd invite her to church tonight. <laughs> tonight, this one word came to me during the week, I'll talk about it later. Faultless. Faultless. I started writing this on Friday and I wrote the whole day, all day, right through tea time, got my dinner and I was still going on with it, just studying it and writing it the whole day. So, God willing, I'll see you tonight, 6 p.m.